Welcome to the Ag Emerge podcast, brought to you by Ag Solutions Network. Your farming challenges are unique, so your practices should be too. We're here to share emerging ideas, build connections, and provoke conversation. Get ready to improve your soil, your crops, your livestock, and your family's livelihood. I'm your producer, Kim Chase. And I'm your host, Monty Bottens. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us. You know, we love to cover all topics along the soil health spectrum, and today is no exception as we welcome Pat Militich to the podcast. Pat has spent 35 years searching for the top supplements for human health, recovery, and performance. But you might best know him as the former U.S. kickboxing and UFC welterweight champion. I think it's safe to say that Pat knows a thing or two about what we put in our bodies and how it affects recovery and performance. What's really cool is Pat has come to have a deep desire to understand the soil health, human health connection. Pat understands the mechanics of the body and what works when it comes to keeping his body working in a healthy way. He and Monty discuss this and so much more, so let's jump right in. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of the Ag Emerge podcast. I'm blessed to be joined in person today in the studio by Pat Militich. Hi, Pat. How are you? I'm good, Monty. Thank you. Well, many of you might know Pat, but for those that don't know him, he's a he's a Quad City native here, and uh, so it was really great to have him come across the river. He came to the bad side. I'm sorry, you know, come <laughs> over here to the Illinois side. He's smart enough. He lives in the Iowa side. Um, I have to live over here though because this is where the ancestors stopped. See, I, I, I get have, it. I didn't have a choice, but mine, mine build a raft. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Ingenuity. So tell us, tell us your story, Pat, and uh, a little bit of your background, and then we're then we'll dive into how you got interested in soil health. Yeah. Okay. So for me, obviously I grew up in Benton North, Iowa and always interested in sports. My big brothers were really good athletes and Benton North was kind of a sports powerhouse. And so you just grow up doing sports. That's just the way it is. And I grew up wrestling. I grew up playing football. I was very small. I was way smaller than my brothers. They were all giants. And I was kind of a skinny, just weak kid that got picked on by everybody type thing. And eventually I just got tired of it. And I decided, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to get good. I'm going to go to the weight room during lunch period at school and middle school and start getting strong, all that sort of stuff. But what I did suffer from was respiratory issues and black mold damage to my respiratory system. And so while I was exploring and trying to be the best in wrestling and football, I just constantly would struggle. And, uh, and you didn't really know it was a black mold issue then, right? No, it's nobody just, knew. Nobody knew back then. Right. He didn't. Yeah. It was just, it wasn't researched and you, was right. your like room in the basement of your house? Yes. Or, my yeah. bedroom was in the basement and it leaked every time it rained, you know, that sort of thing. And, but, uh, I had gone to college and was wrestling in college and still struggling with my health and my mom got heart problems. So I went home and decided that I was all my older brothers and my sister were all married, had families, had moved away. Most of them. Mm-hmm. So I left school, went back. Uh, got a job pouring concrete and then bartending at a couple different places. And that was an interesting, interesting time in my life for four years of that. But at the same time, I started training in martial arts as well. So, but, uh, you know, the, the interesting thing was, is that the black mold damage that my lungs had is what eventually killed my mother when oh. she, when she was 80 years old. So hmm. that was that, that, uh, farmer's farmer's lung, they call it. Mm-hmm. Right. So mm-hmm. the fungus and, and things like that, but, um, when I was turning professional in kickboxing was when a friend of mine turned me on to organics 
and he gave me some capsules that my respiratory system turned around in a very short amount of time. And I started doing things that I never dreamed of doing endurance wise. And it was responsible for really me winning a world title. And by winning that world title, then I ended up training a lot of world champions mm-hmm. and got into the world of training law enforcement and military, everybody from local, state and federal, all the way to different military units, all the way into the special forces, the elite special forces guys and did contracts with them as well and a broadcasting career. So none of that would have ever happened had I not discovered the power of organics and what it can do for the human body. And that's really, I think the biggest, most important takeaway for me is the things that I've learned on how my health changed, changed and how others can, can do the same. But you had the mindset and you were doing the training prior to the organic helping you come with the, sure. like, overcome the black mold and the breathing issues. I saw, I see you, you're basically starved for oxygen, yes, right? Cause yes. your lung function was half of normal. Sure. And, and you didn't give up on that. Right. How many people have their circumstances, right? Oh, right. poor little me. I can't do anything yeah. and just give up. Well, there was some sort of driving force that kept me going. I mean, I was a horrible wrestler as a kid. I was terrible. I got pinned every match the first year, probably the second year. Third year, I won a little bit, you know, and my mom took me everywhere to tournaments during the summer as well. Mm. And I finally, it took me from kindergarten till eighth grade to finally win a tournament. Imagine how many years my mother was toting me around to these things. Mm -hmm. But that tournament, when I won, to tell you what, what kind of woman my mom was, I, after I won the tournament, I was so happy. I went to see her mm-hmm. and my aunt, Ann. it was down in Sigourney, Iowa. And my, some of my relatives live in Sigourney. Mm-hmm. And my aunt, Ann said, your mom wasn't feeling good. So she went home to lay down. What, what the reality was is she was having a heart attack and didn't want to screw up my good day. Oh boy. And so she went and laid down at, at my cousin's house, my aunt's house. And then I think it was three or four days later, she got scheduled for a quadruple bypass in Iowa city. So that's, that's how that all worked out. Mm-hmm. You know? She had, she taught me how to be a fighter really, because she had six, six heart procedures, um, between then and the time that she passed away, wow. she stuck around all those years. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Fighter. Mm-hmm. It's in the family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's amazing. So you, you've overcome a lot. And like you said, you've had an amazing opportunity to meet people from all over the world Yeah, and, and really that, that kind of key moment is this the or, organic. So what was that? I mean, how did you get. It was just how, a lot, how did this flip a switch for you? Well, it was just a lot of different organics, uh, antioxidants, okay. substances mm-hmm. put in capsules, mm-hmm. and you took it twice a day, and so things, it just enabled just your your body to basically heal itself. It, it was twenty percent more oxygen at a cellular level back then, mm-hmm. and you know the the ability to chelate heavy metals and toxins that was there also, mm-hmm. and a lot of other things just started happening. And so, people can't imagine when you've suffered and suffocated your entire life. Mm-hmm. Imagine being in a fight. And you're breathing through a straw full of phlegm and you're, you're literally worried about Mm -hmm. suffocating to death while someone's trying to beat you up. It's, it's very difficult to do. So go from that to being able to spar 10 rounds with world-class boxers and walk away from that and go, I'm not even tired. That's, that opens up a whole new realm of understanding and possibilities for you. So I, again, went from struggling to running five K's in 16 and a half minutes and feeling great. And then doing five minutes of sprints two five minute rounds of sprints after doing that, because that's championship rounds. Right. Mm -hmm. And dunking basketballs and bench pressing 375 pounds and winning a world title. And then it just, yeah, completely life-changing moment. 
so you have a great appreciation for what the how we've been designed and what the human body can do right. if it's allowed to sure. do it. Sure. Correct. Yes, and understanding the the things that can damage it from the outside and how we can correct that. Yeah. So now, uh, you know, yeah, like you said, to uh, sports cast announcer and plus everything else that you've done, how how did you make the connection between soil health and, and plant health and basically animal health and how that how that connects to our health there were signals from people right so 30 years ago when i was teaching children's karate boys started coming in and the parents were saying they have this new thing called autism and it started to show up right mm -hmm. and that was getting worse and i was wondering what was going on what's caused i was always been the person that asked why why is this going on i don't observe something happening and say Okay, it's just happening. So you don't see what's happening and turn on the news and let them tell you what to think. Right, you, right. you tend to be an independent thinker. Yes. yes oh, okay. Just a little bit, a little <laughs> bit. I, but so, and then foreign fighters, like I talked about, um, you've heard before, is yeah, all the foreign fighters from Europe and South America and Asia would come and they would train for their fights at my camp in Iowa, and they'd go grocery shopping in our grocery stores and they'd come back and they were just shocked at what was in our grocery stores mm -hmm. the vast majority of the food in there that was and they said literally now we understand why americans are obese and disease ridden it makes perfect sense now and so just these moments of light bulbs going off and recognizing that things were just different here that americans had a little more free choice and unfortunately mm -hmm. many times making the wrong choices well in your travels around the world too you probably noticed the opposite when you went into their grocery stores yeah right 100%. i mean the choices well, first off, they weren't supermarkets. They're probably smaller and more local food. Meat stand, know. meat stand type mm -hmm. type situation yep. where you it was on get the, your meats. It was on the hoof yesterday. Right. You know, yeah. And, and, and the, here it and, is today. You know, the produce yep. and the and dairy, we, just separate separate types of places. So right. You didn't see high fructose corn syrup and highly processed uh, uh, packaged uh, products and right. carbonated beverages everywhere. No, 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 no products. <laughs> right. Yeah. Just the nothing wrong ingredients. That needed, nothing that needed a commercial. So, right. Yeah, that was it. Well, okay. So you got some of these insights coming from the people who you were training and, and you know, your own experiences and such. So and that was, the, sorry, that was the food. Yeah. That was the food yeah, stage. The food side, yeah. Yeah. But then recognizing what was going into our soil. And that's mm -hmm. the thing is, so we hear a bunch of people complaining about the environment and we've got to conserve water and the global warming. Meanwhile, they're spraying glyphosate and everything else all over their own lawns, right? Or playing golf on a golf course that's full of it, right? So everybody's doing it in one way or, or, not, or another. And I remember the homeowners association that I used to have to be part of where I was living in Bettendorf, outside of Bettendorf. Very nice place. John Deere executives, doctors, and attorneys. So it's all around me. So I got a letter from the homeowners association and said, you know, we have big concerns with your the weeds in your yard, <laughs> and I said, well, uh, I went to the homeowners association meeting and I said, I have big concerns about what you guys are spraying all over my neighborhood, you know? <laughs> and I said, I'll keep it mowed, but there's going to be dandelions. That's just the way it's going to be. Because after a while I started recognizing that I was, I was picking up, uh, some, some feelings from when I would spray glyphosate along the fence lines and stuff mm -hmm. like that. There was just something that wasn't sitting with me physically. It was it was definitely causing a reaction for me. Hmm. So, and it's the same thing for me when I eat uh, Chinese food with additives in it. 
because mm-hmm. it's a, you know, to open up your taste buds, mm-hmm. my jaw and my forearms would lock up. So that would affect my nervous system. So I'm pretty, I think I, my body's kind of sensitive to that stuff. So I recognize it. And I know I've, I've even not only sprayed glyphosate on my farm, right. Mm-hmm. And because we've been told it's completely safe and such. Uh, I remember in the day I used to mix it without gloves, you know, without protection. How right. dumb is that? Mm-hmm. But I did it because we all thought it was safe and I've spilled it on me. I've had it on my hands and arms. Right. Not on purpose, but it happens. Mm-hmm. And then uh, then there's even, you know, one time when we, we lived in town in California, because I just couldn't go out to the shed and, you know, get some glyphosate out of the tope. You go to Home Depot and and you get the little spray bottle. Sure. And I don't know if you've ever had one of those, but I've never seen one of those bottles where you- That you doesn't know, leak? Yeah. You squirt it and it's like half of it comes down your hand and mm-hmm. the other half goes out the end. Yes. And, you know, how many people have been exposed that way right. too? Right. Whether it's glyphosate or any other chemical that can have some sort of adverse right reaction. and the look the industrial revolution brought about a lot of stuff you mm-hmm. know acids and solvents and chemicals and it's miraculous right we just didn't wait long enough to know that maybe there's some adverse side, yes. side effects right right the law of unintended consequences yeah and that's the thing is so me recognizing too as well that healthy soil is made up of the exact same thing that a human body is made up of or supposed to be made up of so, you know, the, the, the microbes, 90% of our cells are, you know, bugs, basically. Mm-hmm. And the oxygen, the water, you know, all those things, the components were exactly the same as the soil. From from the dust you came back to the dust you'll go. Mm-hmm. And it all hit me kind of at once, really. And when it did, I went, this is really not good. Because for years, I'm observing Americans getting sicker, more deformed, more crippled. And one signal that or very early on, many, many years ago, was the uptick in handicapped parking spaces, right? Just everywhere. They started popping up everywhere. And I said, what is going on? Why is this happening? And it wasn't that they were empty either. Right. Very true. Right. I mean, when the handicapped spaces first came out, I remember it's like, oh, look at all those spaces. You know, nobody uses them. What's that for? Yeah. You know, then my mother had a stroke and she's handicapped. So you appreciate the fact that there's sure. handicapped spaces, yeah, you know, yeah. but you're right. Now when you go somewhere, there's just spaces, all kinds of spaces, and they're full. Yeah. They're full of, yeah, you know, hopefully people are legitimately using them. But yeah, uh, yeah it, it has changed. But the, and it's the uptick in, you know, when I look at childhood cancers, you know, they build a crystal cathedral there in Iowa City, and every third quarter, I believe it is, everybody waves at the children in the hospital. When I sit there and I think. Well, we could do something about this. We really, we really could do something about this. And God bless, they're they're working to save these kids, and everybody feels compassion towards those those kids as they mm-hmm. should. But there's real damage that could be averted. I think you know through at least on the human side, where we can teach people what to put in their mm-hmm. bodies to to help you know slow this down or or even stop it. We're taking a short break to share that the Ag Emerge podcast is brought to you by the team at Ag Solutions Network. Rooted in innovation, ASN is committed to leaving the land better than we found it, not simply maintaining it. We're here to help you navigate the balancing act of productivity and building a legacy. From practices to products, ASN is more than a new jug. It's a new way of thinking. So don't be afraid to be different. Be afraid to be the same. Contact Ag Solutions Network today at asn.farm. And now, back to our show. So, Raylan, what you were asking yourself is, is that this is great that we're treating the symptoms, but what's the cause? Right. Right. How do we, and, and we don't really know, 
right? There's, there's a myriad of things, you know, some, you can graph just about anything over top and, mm-hmm. you know, the whole, whole saying that correlation doesn't mean causation. Right. But you almost wonder if there's, there's so many things that have happened at once somewhat simultaneously, whether it's soaps and surfactants, whether it's glyphosate and other, petro, you know, other sure. agrochemicals, whether it's, um, you know, uh, EMFs, you know, where, whether it's, there's multiple things that you can just right. overlay and the, those graphs all align, but yeah. And a lot of the heavy metals, you know, when they do, yeah. when they do autopsies on autistic children who've died prematurely, uh, Alzheimer's patients, dementia patients, there's generally heavy deposits of aluminum, nano nanoparticles mm-hmm. of aluminum in the brain cells. Mm-hmm. And so if I can do anything for those people to educate them on what they can put in their body that can go into the cell mm-hmm. bond with that, because the cell does not. So best way to put it is toxins and heavy metals can enter the cell, but mm-hmm. they have trouble leaving the cell because the cell does not recognize them as water soluble. Mm-hmm. So if we can put something into the body that will go into the cell and bond with those, and then mm-hmm. the cell recognizes that organic substance as water soluble, then it will drag it out and chelate it out of the cells. And so that's just the more that Americans can understand just that simple concept, you know, they would be a lot better off, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And heavy metal, there's, there's different protocols for, for getting rid of heavy metals Mm -hmm. and there's um, it's hard, right? Right. It's, it's extraordinarily hard to, to do that. And that's why, you know, in our company, everything we test the heavy metals of every product that we sell just to make sure that we don't have them. We, we always source, for all of our fertilizer people, my manufacturers think I'm a little <laughs> uh, crazy about this because we we always make sure that all of our stuff is uh, original ingredients. Right. You know, a lot of stuff in the phosphorus industry is reused from okay. the industrial. Okay. So, and those those they're used in um, you know cleaning processes or in manufacturing processes that then absorb metals into okay. the okay. solution. Then they're they're filtered and repurposed as fertilizer. Interesting. So we, we try not to, uh, we avoid that. We all, yeah. you know, raw, raw ingredient, you know, okay. fresh from the mine. So there's not this, uh, industrial race waste stream that's okay. introduced, but okay. So you got to this point and you mentioned this, the first product that you were working with had increased, you know, your blood oxygen content and, and those kind of things by about 20%. Yeah. Cell, okay. Cellular oxygen. Cellular oxygen. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Thank you. And then what were some other things down the road that you were looking at? And then I know eventually you got to a, a newer product that mm-hmm. you're working with now, but yeah. kind of lay that, that course. I think there was a couple other junctures right. in that journey. Well, there was, there was a, um, a substance that was using a, a liposomal delivery system and liposomes were deli- uh, uh, devised, created by a scientist from out at UCLA, I believe is where he was when he did that. And it was originally designed to carry, chemotherapy chemotherapy okay. medicine to specific organs if somebody was too weak to undergo chemotherapy for their whole body they could do a sublingual spray it would get into the bloodstream and travel around the body until it got to the receptors that it was designed to go to mm-hmm. on that particular organ and treat say liver liver cancer mm-hmm. and then the nutraceutical world from the health side of things got a hold of that and they figured out how to put a certain uh, amino acid blends mm-hmm. with these that were, and of course the liposomes then were bioengineered to go to the receptors of the pituitary. And about, it took a little longer than, you know, I, I stayed, I stayed on it and it was about six weeks later that I noticed a lot of improvement in my feet, my ankle, you know, my knees and a lot of other stuff. Right. And even I can't understand better. why you'd have joint pain. 
<laughs> well, I tell you what, the I don't know how many times I had broken bones in my feet, but when you throw kicks, you intend to, if you're going to kick somebody with your foot, it's the ball of your foot or the heel of your foot, not the top of your foot, because that would be like taking the back of your hand and smashing it on somebody's forehead. You're going to break your hand. So it's, mm -hmm. they're designed the same, of course. But now and then you would catch an elbow with the top of your foot and mm -hmm. things would happen. So, yeah. but it, but it, it did improve a lot of things. My mother's hair went from totally white to salt and pepper. Hmm. My brother's eyesight got better. He had to reverse his, started going backwards in his prescriptions for his eyeglasses. So there was noticeable changes with that product. So it definitely, definitely helped. And there've been, there've been several other or a few other products that have worked really well. And one is the technology now. And I just was on the phone with those guys a couple of, couple of days ago, they've testified in front of Congress. Um, that stuff's all recorded in the, the library of Congress, the congressional uh, minutes and all of that. But these guys talked out just outwardly about being able to cure literally almost everything. And they aren't bashful about saying it. And they take silver, tiny silver rods, pure silver, and while it goes into the water, it is charged with actually 80,000 volts. These guys have patented this, and it creates nanoparticles of the of the silver, mm -hmm. and it gets suspended in very oxygen-rich water molecules. And good bugs and bad bugs in, inside of our cells are different. One is protected with a milky sheath, the good ones, the bad ones are not. So when this goes, when the silver nanoparticles go into the cell, basically it rips the electrons off of the bad bugs. They fall apart right. and then your immune system cleans the cells out. So that's pretty incredible stuff when it comes to, you know, malaria and a lot of other, a lot of other issues. And they just blatantly flat out said, and they didn't, they were almost asked to by a couple of congressmen to just say it and that they have been able to successfully treat HIV and a lot of other issues with this. And other viral type entities because right. it'll, it'll essentially on a viral uh it, like you said it lacks it's a protein sheath and, and then that basically destroys the sheath and then the, the dna or the rna that's inside of there is right digested mm -hmm. it's ineffective so yeah. um there is a lot of work right now in nanoparticles um and it's an area of interest that we have in the um in the plant nutrient side too because okay. there are certain things that we can do with nanotechnology uh, however, just like anything else, um, you can say it's nano and it may work and it may not, right. uh, or it's inconsistent or compatibility problems. So there's stay tuned. There's, there's more coming there, but I think, uh, yeah, there, there's definitely opportunities there. So, um, wide, wide ranging things that you've looked into, yeah, and how, yeah. how do you, how does that happen? I think that once my mind opened up, I read a book many years ago by G. Edward Griffin, who's actually, I never had sports heroes, really. Dan Gable was the one guy oh, that course. I definitely considered a sports hero, right? Uh, now, you, ever, since we have, believe it or not, there's more than people from Iowa that listen to the podcast. Okay. And now, I know Dan Gable because of my son-in-law is a huge fan and those right. kind of things, but tell us who Dan Gable is. Dan Gable was, in my mind, the greatest wrestler ever to walk the planet. The Russians tried for years to beat him. They trained people specifically to beat him, and he went through the yeah, the Olympics and was unscored upon uh, and then coached, of course, the University of Iowa on to, I can't remember even how many national championships and Big Ten championships and, you know, just, just an incredible individual right. and very, very focused in, in what he was doing. So, But G. Edward Griffin wrote a book called The Creature from Jekyll Island, and that is the history of monetary systems, the banking history, the Federal Reserve, central banks 
and all of that sort of stuff. And once I read that book, I instantly looked at the world differently. And that, I think I read that in my, boy, that has to be over 20 years ago that, um, that I read that. And I was actually lucky enough to have him as a guest on, on one of my podcasts. So that was, that was a great experience for us, but very knowledgeable guy. But once I looked at that, I went, the whole world just isn't the same anymore. Once you understand all of that. So that's why I started looking into everything. Right. But more than anything else, I was focused on building champions, uh, making sure that my athletes were on the best possible nutrients that they could be. And again, I said before on you know, my speech that you heard where I told my athletes, they are in no way, shape or form to ever reveal any of the products that we're on because, you know, we were known for just standing on the gas pedal and running everybody out of gas and they couldn't figure out how we were doing it. And they were taking stuff out of laboratories probably. And we're taking stuff, you know, out of fields, <laughs> organics, <laughs> you know, but that's the thing is I, mm -hmm. and I, again, I talk about experiencing real X-Men that I've dealt with and been around, you know, there's 70 year old people that can run a hundred miles without stopping at high altitude. And I don't think people understand that haven't been at high altitude, how difficult that is for a healthy young person, let alone a 72 year old individual. And then you've got people that are walking around with 1200 pounds on their shoulders down in Bettendorf at the strongman gym. There's some really scary people. And I've been grabbed by some of these people in my fighting career. There's a guy by the name of Steve Rusk who lives, he's a Rock Island County Sheriff's deputy actually. The strongest human being that I've ever been grabbed by, a totally different level of human being, and one of the best Greco wrestlers in the world in his in his prime. But he would take all of my world champions and bend them and literally bend them in half and throw them around like rag dolls and then put his hunting gear back on and leave. And <laughs> that's the type of but those are the type of human beings that walk the planet. And I always understood that it was people that were eating really, really healthy food their entire life, but certainly during their developmental years and, and getting the full benefit of testosterone, the full benefit of all everything that, that uh, their body had to offer. And so, of course there's some genetic stuff that goes into that, but mm -hmm. you know, and many times kids that were on farms, right. So they're, they're picking up odd shaped objects. And well, on wrestlers that you worked with and you look at it, what what percentage of the wrestlers were farm kids a lot of them yeah, yeah. of course a lot of them and, and football players and same i think i learned a, a lesson and later on in life this gentleman and i became good friends and i actually trained with him up at the university of iowa i would go up and wrestle at the university of iowa when i was training for fights uh just to work on that part of my game and so i i think i was in eighth grade and i was standing looking at a bracket on the wall and i was undefeated at the time 36 and 0 38 and 0 and there's a kid standing next to me in these greasy, ratty, old gray sweats and an old Viking stocking cap with three top, three strings from the yarn from the ball that used to be on top of it. <laughs> and he's not, he looks just meaner than hell. His nose is super flat and just rugged looking guy. And he looks at me and he goes, you Melichich? And I go, yeah. And he goes, see you in the first round. And he walks away. And I look back up at the bracket. Well, it ended up being Royce Alger, who was a three-time NCAA champ for the University of Iowa. He was a year older than me in ninth grade, but he he beat me half to death. I mean, he really wrenched on me and, and smashed me. And I walked off the, off the mat that day and went, that's, that's what wrestling is. That was scary. That's a terrifying guy. Just that much more powerful than me. I just, you know, and I was by then a pretty strong kid, but there was just no comparison when he grabbed me. I just went, oh, my God what's happening. So that's the thing is the X-Men do actually exist. 
they're out there. And really, a lot of people don't realize that they have far more capability physically. They just haven't unlocked it yet because they're they're not experiencing life as a human being should. We have so many powers mentally, physically, spiritually that that they just don't know about. So in creating X-Men and creating champions, mm-hmm. um, people that listen to this podcast primarily are farmers. Yes. Larger scale. Second is going to be ag technologists. Okay. So people who are starting up companies trying to solve the next problem in agriculture and make a huge impact. Right. And third is really researchers and thought leaders. Okay. So people are, are researching the next step. So let's speak to those groups. How how do we help each one of those groups create the X-Men? Or or the X-Men are there, right? Maybe enable them to to be that, if you will, the the superhuman strength, which it's not really superhuman, it's just locked at this time sure sure yeah because of the myriad of things that we're doing so well we think about the nutrients that are locked in soil because of a lot of the chemicals and things right i guess is the best way to look at it yeah it it can be and i think you know it's it's locked because um the chemistry of the soil today is significantly different than what it was in its native state okay so we had much more diversity then yeah we had much more animal integration then and, and we had more periods of rest Okay. So, you know, we, we created a very, the system was very different. Now today we've oversimplified it, right? Okay. No animals on the land, right? one, two, maybe three crops at the most. Sure. And, and, and the soil's naked on a regular basis, right? right. So we, we've really kind of changed, no matter you insert the crop, whatever it is, whether it's almonds, it's naked underneath and, yeah. or, you know, it's 20 years of the same crop. Sure. So nature is not boring like that. Right. Right. No. Yeah. Very diverse. And, um, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing the microorganisms were a lot more diverse, of course. Exactly. Then, right? Yep. And yeah. there's been some great research that shows if you have one, one plant will have one set of organisms, a second plant has its own set of organisms, but those two plants living in close proximity to each other share a third group of organisms. Interesting. Okay. So the same thing. And this was, um, Europe actually did this research. You add the third plant, you have A, B, C, and then you have D between A and B. You have E between, you know. B and C. I need to draw this out. It's hard to do on a podcast, but then there's one that connects all three together. So okay. as you increase, you exponential, as you increase plant diversity, you exponentially increase the microbial diversity within the soil. Very cool. Okay. I didn't yeah. know that. So, and you know, the, the root systems of the fungi and the trees and the bushes and all that interact underneath the ground and it's a community of its own. And I, now it's, I'm forgetting the, and they're like, sharing energy, they're sharing signaling and, yeah. You know, mama tree is sending, you know, signals to baby tree and yeah, there's, there's wild. amazing research come out in the last five years. Yeah. It's wild. But to help, to help people understand that, you know, I work with veterans groups a lot. They've mm-hmm. been exposed to massive amounts of chemicals, heavy metals, all that. Uh, some of the worst cases of it, of course, you know, the, mm-hmm. the burn pits and all the other stuff that they've been around. So gut, the gut health is super important. So mm-hmm. The microorganisms, just as the soil we talked about, you have to have a good balance of microorganisms and you know, people who say take medication for pneumonia for an extended amount of time will get a condition where their their microorganisms are so off balance, the bad bacteria is taken over. C. diff is what it ends up being called, right? Mm-hmm. And people do lose their lives to it. So keeping that balance is super important. We can't have health without it. And so you've got to be able to put organic because we are organic organisms and things from laboratories just don't belong in the human body. That's just the way that I feel. I think that there are Modern medicine has done an amazing job. There have been massive amounts of advancements, but I think there there are some some real issues with it as well. And we're forgetting about the power of organics because we are organic organisms. So 
being able to do that and then the raising the oxygen levels uh, within the cells and being able to chelate toxins out of our bodies, be, being able to keep hormonal balance. Because we look at a lot of the boys nowadays, their hormonal levels are destroyed. And I look at it, I've got kids everywhere from 20 years old down to eight. So I've seen and watched and and there are a lot of very, very feminine boys because their testosterone is just simply being suppressed. Their estrogen levels are going up way too high and it's, it's really damaging. Let's dive into that. What is that? I mean, is that part I mean, part could be uh, chemistry in the environment, obviously, that you alluded to, but is also part of it our lifestyle, the fact that we're in a home looking at a TV, you know, playing games or sure, that's some of it. not getting yeah. outside in the soil. You know, definitely. When, definitely. when I was a kid, it's like, if you want to have fun, it's like, okay, see you later. Go out to the barn, you know, right. uh, <laughs> go out to the field, go do something. But, you know? <laughs> but, you know, I mean, people have to look at their deodorants. The sure. aluminums and parabens in that your your mm -hmm. skin is your largest organ as you talked about you know spilling glyphosate mm -hmm. over yourself you're going to absorb whatever you put on your skin mm -hmm. and it's it's funny a perfect example is my 18 year old daughter just left for college not that long ago she's a freshman in college she sent me a picture of her arm her armpits and their bright red massive rashes that have broken out and I said you went and bought a different deodorant yeah, right. is what happened and now you're you're breaking out because because she used you know organic um, deodorants that didn't have aluminums and parabens and all that in it. So mm -hmm. a lot of the food that we eat that have, you know, the modern soy does have some, some issues with testosterone levels and estrogens. So it's, that's yeah, something that's high in phytoestrogen. Yeah. That's so, so it's causing, you know, but, but it's, I mean, there's such a spectrum of that stuff that's happening. And so I worry that the policies of society, look, we have to love kids no matter what we have to love everybody, mm -hmm. but we also mm -hmm. have to be honest and say, Hey, I think that there may be ways of, of helping your child be healthier and however they develop, we want them to develop in a healthy manner. Right. Mm -hmm. Really. And that's, so that's super important. And uh, so between a lot of those things, you know, with gut back, you know, the gut bacteria balanced and, and keeping your cells clean and, you know, that's really the biggest, the biggest stuff that I see. And then activity, you gotta, you gotta be active. Uh, try to, I mean, I'm 56 right now and I'm able to still, do almost everything that I used to be able to do as a professional athlete, not mm -hmm. quite as fast as I was, but I can still put gloves on with, with young fighters and move around with them. And, and I don't have problems, you know, mm -hmm. considering I've been paralyzed twice from the neck down. Wow. And, and, and one time sparring for a professional fight, which was supposed to be my last fight uh, because I had have severe cervical damage years before that. And I got hit with actually a very light punch. It was an uppercut on the top of my forehead. And it just snapped my neck back enough. Just that at the shut, right. It shut the signal off and I went like a rag doll, just dropped and fell over on my side. And I instantly, as I was falling, said my neck. And the person that hit me said to me, he goes, that was not a hard punch. My God. And I said, no, it wasn't. And I was the main event of this fight. I was a co-promoter of this event and I had to fight. So I told myself, okay, I've always worked. I never have been hurt with a punch or a kick because I always saw everything coming. That's not saying I have super skills or anything like that. I just was paying attention because I didn't want to get knocked out. So I had to put that to the test in my last fight with that guy, um, Thomas Nanny. And so I spent the first round just making him miss every punch that he threw. And then the second round ended up knocking him out with a right hand. But it can be a little terrifying when you, when you suddenly can't walk and you can't move your arms mm -hmm. and you realize 
that you might end up in a wheelchair raising your kids. And so that's kind of serious. But anyway, I've had numerous joint injuries. I've had a lot of broken bones, uh, you know, in my hands and, you know, other places. And so for me to be able to be generally pain-free and operate the way that I do says a lot for just what I'm putting in my body. And that's super important for people to pay attention to because I'm, I'm kind of a lab rat, so to speak. I've always treated myself as a lab rat. What works the best? You're your own experiment, see? Yes. <laughs> if you're going to experiment, experiment on yourself. There you go. No, it's it's hard to get, um, you know, replicated information on something that is uh, happens over a long period of time, right? You know, have a test group and a control. Plus, right. every individual's in different. Sure. Period. Yeah. So you get different response rates on from different people right. doing doing the same thing. Sure. Um, talk a little bit about it. So uh, Pat approached me. Um, we have a mutual friend who is a restaurant tour in yeah. downtown Davenport. He Bill. says, he says, Bill says, if I, you need to talk to Pat. He's doing something that I, you're doing. You'd kind of be interested. So I'm like, <laughs> okay. And uh, you know, I, I spent too much time doing chores and farm work. So, you know, I didn't know who the Pat Militich was and those kind of things. Sure. I'll call him up. And, and right. we did, we we've connected. And uh, since then uh, we're looking at uh, a product that you came across right. uh, that has worked well for human use sure and you asked the question okay if it's going to change hormone levels if it's going to change antioxidant levels and and help with detoxing and all these kind of things in people all those potential benefits can it do that then can it potentially do that in plants and can that transfer to animal feed and and these kind of things so um tell us a little bit about that journey and that that discovery and Kind of where you've gotten to today. Yeah, a good, a good friend called me up several years back and said, hey, do you have a couple of minutes? And I'd had known him for 20 years because I had filmed my first instructional DVD series with him in Baltimore. Mm -hmm. um, he owned a, a company called Dojo TV. So anyway, called me up and he started telling me about this, this product and a substance, fulvic humic acid, and said it comes from the most nutrient-rich peat bog found in North America. And, you know, when we look back on it, the, the guy that found this knew to go down to the sediment layer that was most nutrient rich was about 60,000 years ago. And so it still comes up out of the ground alive. And that's the, the important part, I think, with this is is definitely the, the microbes come with it and everything from 60,000 years ago. So it's pristine, untouched by mankind. And anyway, when he got to the point where he said it potentially can raise the oxygen levels in the cells of 40, up to 45%, which is more than 20%, 25% more than the old product that helped my respiratory system so much. Mm -hmm. I stopped and I said, don't tell me anything more about it. Just send it to me and I'm going to immediately. And I'll, I'll let you know if you, if you, if you're telling the truth on this, I know what it's going to do. And when I talked to the guys that, that founded that company, I said, you realize how many PRs, how many world records are going to be broken in athletics because of this runners, swimmers, power lifters it's going to combat athletes are going to love this this is they're going to be literally invincible you're going to be bulletproof when you when you use this stuff because people don't realize that when your muscles run out of oxygen the cells run out of oxygen they burn sugar for energy and the mm -hmm. byproduct of burnt sugar lactic acid. lactic acid and that's you wake up sore and you can't do it again the next day well these types of products allow you to wake up the next day and go I'm not even sore hardly. This is great. I'm going to go run 10 miles hard again, right? Or do whatever it is you want to do. And so about 10 days into my entire family using this product, 
my two oldest daughters started to hold a conversation at the dinner table and started talking about one's rowing practices being much easier for her and the other one's swimming being much easier for her and doing a hundred hundreds with a very little amount of rest time in between. And you've got to make it in time to have enough rest time to begin with, or you fall behind and you get kicked out of the practice. And she was the only girl to finish that practice. And then conversely, my oldest daughter, who was on one of the top rowing uh, teams here in the Quad Cities in Moline, coached by Dr. Sheris, by the way. I love that guy's coaching techniques. Very, very, very good coach and, and a great doctor. She was suddenly keeping up with the top girls in on that team. And one of them happened to be the second best girl in the world at the time. She got a full ride scholarship to Harvard. So that's when I decided, even though I hadn't run in over a year, that I was going to go out and run 22 miles because it was Memorial Day, the 22 that symbolic number for veterans that commit suicide. Got done with the run, thought I'm going to be really sore the next day, woke up, was hardly sore at all, and ran five miles as a uh, kind of a cool-down run and said, this is it. Yeah, this is it. So the fulvicemic acid, the the research then that I did after that, finding out that this was used in agriculture and knowing what potentially it could do for soil and plants, crops, animals, everything else, that's when I really dug into different types of fulvics, where they come from, started taking different fulvics deliberately to see the effects in my respiratory system many times would start to deteriorate pretty quickly again because I was off of um, fulvics that weren't as nutrient rich and, and uh, as concentrated, so to speak. So it's just been a really interesting journey. And when I came out to see you, I told that story after I, I forgot to tell it in my speech, but I was sitting there at Dunn Brothers Coffee and I had called you several times on rainy days because you said, call me on a rainy day because it's planting season. It was planting season, yeah. And so I said, well, it's raining. He doesn't answer the phone. He won't call me back. And I said, I finally one day had my coffee in my hand. I threw a 55-pound bag in the back of my truck of the product. And I said, I don't care if I get yelled at, I'm going out. And that's when I met Rob and your <laughs> wife and talked to her. And I got her some of the human consumption uh, form, the more refined version. Mm -hmm. And four days later, she texted me and said she was feeling considerably better. Mm -hmm. And so I was really, really happy about that. And then our conversation after that. And yeah. so it's, it's the you know, I can't help but think in my mind, and I know intuitively that I'm not going to put any other fulvic humic in my body unless it is equal to. And many times, as you know, the fulvics come from dead sea floors or mm -hmm. from leonardite, from coal, and uh, there's processes that they go through that I then would lead me to not, because it's coal to begin with, but not want me to put it, I wouldn't want to put it in my body. So if it's not good enough right. to put in my babies, I, you know what I mean? It's got to be it's got to be pretty quality stuff to put in my children. And uh, I take their health very seriously. And then on top of that, there are other peat bog derived fulvics and humics that are heat pasteurized that kill the microorganisms. And then they put their own blend of pre and probiotic type stuff back in it mm -hmm. uh, for human consumption. And I say to myself, why are we pasteurizing the most nutrient rich, beautiful, pristine substance on the planet? And I talked to my buddy who's a, uh, professor of biology at Iowa State, and I tap into his knowledge quite a bit in these things because he's very forward with me. He'll tell me if I'm right or wrong, and he's, I mean, he'll just say, "No, you're flat out wrong." So I like that kind of honesty. I want mm -hmm. people to just be honest with me. And I said, "Is it a mistake to pasteurize something like that and then put pre?" -and, and he goes, "They could be putting very good quality pre and probiotics into it, but it's." He goes, "I'd be hard pressed to believe that it's right. better than, you know." 
60,000-year-old microorganisms that are just incredible, right? Right. No, um, you know, and that that's the probiotics is, an, is another thing where we think we know what we're doing. And, and we're trying to do probiotics in the soil, too, when, when companies are identifying one, two, maybe even 500 species to put out in the field. And that is a drop in the bucket compared to the billions of different species, let alone quantity of those species, but the variety of those species. So, um, yes, uh, I'm with you there. So a little, I'm going to backfill a little bit on, on traditional, you know, for farmers that have used, um, and if you can't see this right now, you're not on YouTube. He's, he's drinking the humic acid, fulvic acid combination. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) But, um, you know, we, Fulvic acid or humic acid is typically derived from leonardite, like you referred to, and that's a chemical extraction process. So we hit it with potassium hydroxide, which okay. is uh, the most basic, you know, it's uh, the sulfuric acid of of basic elements to um, you know, sodium hydroxide might be worse. But anyway, we're, we're doing a potassium hydroxide um, extraction to essentially take the carbon elements uh, out of the fibrous network that leonardite mineral is. Okay, so... We do that, and and um, that's how most of it's derived. So I hadn't heard of this peat process before. And while we can get a higher concentration of humic and fulvic acid, and and by the way, humic and fulvic, there's not a, there's not like this is humic, this is fulvic. All that is is a description of the micron size of the carbons. So I think it's about fifty thousand microns. Anything smaller than that is a fulvic acid. Anything bigger than that is humic acid. Right. So it's their descriptors are are poor at best right part two is is there different reaction processes how you introduce the potassium hydroxide the different timings of that um, fortunately one of the uh, formulators that we worked with developed a way that they can when they reacted on our because there's few humic i can't talk humic and fulvic acid included in every uh product that we sell okay uh, because we we know what's good right right and um there's a, a three-dimensional nature that you can have to it or, or a linear nature. Okay. So ours are three-dimensional, so a little higher cation exchange capacity. So that's great. We're doing all those things now. But what's interesting about this is coming from the peat bog, um, you're not, uh, it's bioavailable right. because it hasn't been uh, metamorphosized or turned into rock. Fossilized, so to speak. Right. Yeah. So essentially, uh, my understanding is they're mining it, uh, grinding it, and freeze-drying it. Yeah, it's basically a process where they they can auger it up out, so mm-hmm. they're not ripping the earth open, so to speak. Um, put tubes down into the mm-hmm. bog and then auger it up out of there, mm-hmm. and then they flash freeze it and mm-hmm. then put it under extreme pressures to separate the powders from from the pulp, and the pulp goes back in the bog so that they can continue mm-hmm. humification process. Mm-hmm. So it is obviously mm-hmm. the closest to sustainable that you're going to find probably with it. So that way we don't have the chemical extraction. That's what makes it human safe. And and also it's a, a good source. Um, you know, we're we're testing it right now. We're looking at things. So it, we got kind of started later in the season on it. We applied it to some food grade for, corn on our own farm. The most recent thing we did too is we applied it to pastures, both perennial pasture and cover crop pastures. And we're monitoring because uh, I'm a big believer and Dr. Fred Provenza has been on the podcast that animals know what they need to eat. Yeah. And uh we actually have applied it in two um, in test strips throughout uh, these pastures, and right. then we're grazing those pastures across those strips. So, in other words, the animals have 
completely free choice. They don't know where it's at. You right. know, I didn't put a sign out there saying eat here, you know, <laughs> <laughs> right. but we're just monitoring their movement across the field. And uh, the nice part with the no fence collars, we can track uh, where the animal spends the most time yeah. in addition to fly, fly the field to see. But uh, preliminarily here, as we're grazing across that field, you can see where they're grazing harder where the product was applied. That's, so that's, that is rather fascinating, isn't it? And I was, no, I was very, I was very happy when you sent me that screenshot of your, of your mm -hmm. cows with the collars. And I had a feeling it was going to happen just because I've seen and had many, many people put down a, a regular bowl of water and then a bowl with, with the product in it and the, all their cats and dogs are just going straight to the one with the nutrients in it again, mm -hmm. because animals know what they need. We've, we have, we look at black water and we're thinking, Ooh. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, but my eight year old will drink two, two servings of that stuff a day. Right. She loves it. Mm -hmm. And there's just no flavor really. I mean, it's a little right. earthy at most, but you know, so that's the thing. And, and animals do not understand, you know, the placebo effect. Mm -hmm. That's where it makes a difference when you, I can tell somebody, Hey, you're going to feel way better. And the placebo effect is there. Right. I've, I've planted the thought in their head. You know, I can say to people, you know, when you get the butterflies in your gut, when you're really nervous, I talk to them like that and they start to go, oh my God, I'm starting to feel it. So I, you can program people to think what you sure. want at times, right? Mm -hmm. You can't do that with animals when it comes to how they feel. And when you see 14 year old dogs, like my dog that could hardly walk running around in the yard, like a puppy dog and having a blast again, that's, that tells me something. And that's what I want for people to be able to, um, we can never promise anything to anyone with anything that we, mm -hmm. that we promote or anything like that. But I can say that in my mind, this gives you the best chance at a feeling of all around health and well-being, and certainly for um, assist you in athletic performance. Or if you're a weekend warrior and somebody that likes to go out and, you know, do five K's or run marathons or whatever, that that's the type of thing that we want. Why not put that in our cows? Sure. Why not? Well, in our, in our intention, is on our farm, but also with ASN is, um, first off, you know, what's it compatible with? Well, everything's been fine. Yeah. Uh, how, how do we mix it? Figured out how to mix it properly. Yeah. We're having some troubles at first, but now we've got it dialed and down. And it's much lesser amounts than the, um, what I've found, sure. right. Is much lesser amounts because it's so strong, right. so powerful, lesser amounts of it than industry standards with other fulvic humics from my best observation right. anyway. And and maybe we can get a bigger response too, because we yeah. have that capability. You can limit out on what you can apply the other materials. Interesting point. Uh, I was listening to Graham Hancock, who had been on my podcast previously. Mm -hmm. He's a genius. I love listening to Graham Hancock. And then Randall Carlson, listen to those guys uh, if you ever get a chance. Amazing minds. But Graham Hancock was talking about the Brazilian terra preta soil, mm -hmm. the black earth, the Brazilian black earth soil. Yeah, you were sharing this with me. It was, and yeah. and so- you know, when he talked about, and he, he correctly obviously said that, you know, the ancient civilizations that they're finding, the massive cities that actually exist inside of the Mato Grosso, the Brazil, the, the rainforest that used to be there, that those civilizations knew how to do unique composting and create this soil and grow massive amounts of nutrient-rich food for the population. And he said, you can take a handful of it and spread it over dead soil and help bring that soil back to life through microbial activity and mm -hmm. um, things like that. And I said, Graham doesn't know that I have 60,000 year old soil. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, but it, it just helps. I, the things like this help reinforce things for me because I look um, as you well know, and I will admit till the day I die that I don't know hardly anything. 
I know more than the general population that the food does not come from the backside of the grocery store, right? I know very little, but I just, my intuition has always been pretty spot on on understanding, um, you know, kind of what is real and what is not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, the other thing we got to look at as we, as we approach this is that realize that everybody always likes to go to how many pounds of this, how many pounds of that. And, you know, one of the things we're trying to evaluate is that when you look at it on a pound basis, it doesn't make sense. But if you look at it on what the effect basis is, we're thinking there's definitely some room there. So what we're trying to do is evaluate this on more direct human consumption products, right? Yeah. First off, let's get all our farmers yeah, give this a try. Yes, and because we need our farmers to be champions, and they're exposed to a lot of things. You know, not only in in chemistries, but in what they do in everyday it's very, life. Uh, let's get more energy, yeah. and you know, not not be tired at the end of that fourteen hour day. Let's sure. let's let's give them a little more oxygen status and go. But I think there's a real opportunity to apply this to human consumption, so produce or let's say nut crops, uh, those kind of things, where we can get that you know, going through, if it's, if it's a corn going to an ethanol plant, you know, there's, there's limited follow on value sure. to, to using the product. But I think there's, there's some things we can do to really improve nutrient density. Yeah. And it's nice because some of the guys we've been speaking with who are focused, you know, one gentleman who did 22 years of purchasing land for conservatory uh, uses for the U S government and is into soil reclamation projects and things like that. So they're, they're, they're doing a lot of testing on it as well. And we're really excited about that. And one of their, one of their agronomists is his daughter and she's, she's pretty excited about what she's seeing. So I'm, ex- I'm, I'm happy about that. But also I was at a unique veteran event run by a farmer in Minnesota, a beautiful farm up in Minnesota. And it was a concert given by veterans, PTSD combat veterans, and they were all artists. Right. But in talking with him, he's a USDA investigator. So for when people advertise that they're organic and he finds out they're not, you know, he said, well, we just handed out an $86 million fine for that. Right. But he's a guy who, um, when we talked about the product, he said, I think I'd like to help you get this as a food additive. I really would. And so that's something that I'm definitely, I mean, at very least children's chewable vitamins, Mm -hmm. you know, things like that to help kids. And their health. So, well, in addition to that, what else? What else are you looking forward to here in the future and and growing? Not only in this, but other other things that you're pursuing right now. Well, we're doing. We started our own little pay per view company, so we do some some MMA events. We do we do that, and I enjoy that still. Although I I'm a little adverse actually to people getting beat up now. You know, when I was a younger man, it really didn't bother me a whole lot. But as I got older, the you realize some of the damage that's being inflicted over the years. And so that's something that, you know, and focused on helping veterans too with non-pharmacological projects. And, and I've, I've met some amazing people that have nonprofits all the way from up in Minnesota and Wisconsin and, you know, down in Southern Iowa, Missouri, and a lot of those groups are focused on helping veterans and, and getting them healthy and just helping them get out of the so-called system because they're, they're told that they have a condition and they're told that they have to, you know, they're many times are misdiagnosed and overprescribed. And yeah. so I, I see a lot of that and I've seen it for a lot of years and would like to see those guys get healthy. One of the tragedies of the recent in- wars we've been in mm-hmm. is um, my son-in-law, for example, led his, led his team and didn't lose a one 
in Afghanistan. Yeah. You know, real proud of that, but lost several since they've been home. Yeah. And that's just, yeah. it's not right. And, um, you know, what we're doing and how we're doing it, um, that, that needs addressed. Yeah. And, uh, the, the gentleman that he trained the Navy SEAL snipers for many, many years. And he was, you know, he was at one of the, my girlfriend did a tip of the spear program and it's 12 hours of very intense training. And she went through it with flying colors. She's far better athlete than I've ever been and far tougher than I've ever been. But the gentleman who was one of the guys running that had, had just committed suicide not long ago. And you sit there and you go, you know, people like that who have been through as much as they have, we've got to look out for those guys and we've got to help them. So that's, that's the main thing for me is, you know, they're, they're very, I've, I've just gotten to a point where having trained with those guys a lot and been taught a lot by them, as well as teach some of them, some things uh, that, you know, there's a bond there definitely with those guys. And so when they come home and, and then they're, you know, caught in that system again, and uh, uh, people can look into um, heroes and horses, heroes for horses by Micah Fink. He's a former. I've heard of that. Yeah. Yeah. So he's a former seal. And what he does is he takes 40 veterans, combat veterans with PTSD. They have to prove that they're off all their medications and they have to read two books that he makes them read. And then they are eligible to come to the ranch in Montana and they do an intensive where they bring in 40 wild Mustangs and the, each veteran is assigned one of those horses and they train those horses and then they back, they pack with the horses and they ride them 300 miles through the back country, through the mountains. So, so the veterans are breaking the horses. Yes. Wow. Yeah. And the cool thing about That's it intense. is, yeah. So Mike is a really, really cool individual because what he did when he um, saw that he was getting out of the service and, and had served for many years, that he was going to go on a single solo canoe trip down the Amazon and just change everything about his life. He didn't want his reality to be trying to go back into um, a civilian society that we find we're all selfish. You know, we're out looking out for ourselves where those guys are constantly looking out for each other. Right. Mm -hmm. And so he decided to do that. He lost 50 pounds, got malaria, all kinds of stuff, but that was his new reality. And he realized that if he could do that with other veterans by doing the horse, the heroes for horses hmm. thing, he, he could he could change a lot of lives. Pretty cool stuff. That is cool. Yeah. That's cool. What else is on your plate these days or in the future? Right now, that's that enough. That's that's enough. That's <laughs> enough. Yeah. But we're launching um Super Soldier, which is the product for humans. And that that website is up now. It's organicsupersoldier.com. People can go to it and pick okay. up the product. And we'll we've got the capsules right now, the veggie caps. That's the the uh folic humic is combined with an organic vitamin C to just help boost the immune mm -hmm. function. And then we're going to be coming out with just the bags of powder. People can buy the bags of powder that way for, even if you want to soak in it in the bath, it'll go in through your skin that way and, and mm -hmm. uh, assist you. I, I told you that I unloaded a lot of bags that had a couple, a few of them had a couple of holes in them and the powder got all over me and I was sweating the whole time. And I felt far more energized by the time I got done lifting a couple tons of this stuff, uh, bag after bag after bag uh, than I was before. So it, it, I've never done a bath, but it worked that way. I'll tell you. <laughs> well, that's great. And I, you know, I appreciate um, your persistence and, and I'm, yeah. <laughs> oh, you immense apologies for, you know, being, no, no farming. Problem. you know, that's how that, you gotta do, you gotta make that's how it works. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was a challenging spring to say the least, but uh, it, I think every spring is though. So, but no, I, I thank you for what you're pursuing and, and how you. you see, um, 
you know, how you, how you see problems and, and look beyond yeah. to, to other ideas to solve them. And well, uh, we're obviously similar in that, that you've been doing the things you've been doing for several decades. Right. And yeah. saving farmers a lot of money per acre and teaching them new things. And that's why I keep trying to steer people to you who are used to the, you know, the, the way their grandfather did it and the way their mm -hmm. father did it and everything. There's, there's ways of improving things. Definitely. I think. And, um, so that's why I'd send them to you. I just say, look, he's the guy to talk to. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you anything about farming. Go to, go talk to Monty. Well, it's, um, you know, that's what we're trying to do is, is basically if you can change the mindset, then you can change how farming's done. Right. And, and we have to do that. We have to do it quickly because mm -hmm. we're, we're burning through our soil the way it is. Yeah. And, and we need that for generations to come. Yeah. We, not just another 40 years. We, it's got to last us a humanity. So yeah, it, it's great. And I, I definitely think, uh, you know, this product's going to be part of it. We jokingly call it the pat powder, but, uh, you know, <laughs> but well, it, uh, it's, I won't say it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We got to keep this G rated though. <laughs> right. But no, I, I, uh, I appreciate everything that you're doing and it's very interesting. All the stuff you're doing with, with training the, you know, next generation of, of, you know, people are going to be leaders like you in, in the future and, and working with our heroes and, and, it's and, fun. and those it's things. Fun. So got to give back, but thanks for your time today. I'm glad you're able to swing Thank by you. and, and talk, and yeah. we'll have links for all those things on our site. Anything else we should have talked about while we had our time here together? Uh, just that they can look for uh, here pretty soon, the uh, self-defense warrior podcast that'll be coming out. We've got the website at least up selfdefensewarrior.com. And so we're going to be having you on there and we'll have a lot of other experts in different realms of, of what I would consider real self-defense all around the 360 view. So. And I want to get you connected with some of the people who we've had on this podcast with human nutrition I'd love that. and how that works yeah. and, and have you uh, speaking to your audience too. That'd be cool. so, yeah. Very good. Thanks, Thank Matt. Thank you, sir. Nice to visit. Okay. I really appreciated this discussion today as we learned more about food and how it affects our health and physical performance. We look forward to bringing you even more conversations that help us understand that human health, soil health connection. And as always, if you'd like to learn more about what we're doing to help growers implement soil health, check out our website at asn.farm. And there you can click on the links to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube. There's a lot of great things happening and always something to learn. Thanks for listening.